Part of the role of a Christian is to follow this example of Paul's rejoicing and choosing joy. But then we have Jesus' words, which are powerful words, and they cause me to stop and think about joy because Jesus actually said to the disciples, he says, I have spoken these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full, John 15, 11. It must be pretty important if Jesus actually takes the time to explain to them, I'm telling you all of these things that God the Father has told me so that you will have my joy inside of you and that your joy will then be to the full, overflowing. And then he goes on and he, and he says, you're not going to see me for a little while, but then you're going to see me again. And when you do, then, then you're going to have this joy that no one can take away from you an eternal joy that's welling up from within that nobody can take away from you. And then Jesus goes on in chapter 17, verse 13 of the book of John, and he prays and he says, God, I'm coming to you now. These things I speak in the world so that they may have my joy made full in them. So Jesus says, I'm speaking to you that you'll have joy. I'm going to die and rise again so that you can have joy no one can take away from you. And I'm interceding for you and talking to the Father so that you can have my joy inside of you, welling up and overflowing. So if Paul is giving us this example of rejoicing when he prays, and Jesus is giving us this lifestyle and this example of him praying for and working for and speaking that we can have joy, it must be an important thing. And I know that joy is not only happiness, but there is some tie in there. It's not circumstantial happiness. It's not only being happy because everything's going my way. It's bigger than that, but there is an element of happiness in it that helps us to understand that there's a smile on my face and, and there's, there's a feeling in my heart, in my soul, that says there's something more going on in the universe that God is doing. I went to teen camp one year, and, and at teen camp, the, uh, the speaker was trying to help us understand the difference between joy and happiness. <clears throat> but the problem was I don't think he really got it because he, he wanted us to go home. And when the parents said to us, did you have fun at camp? Then he said, no, we didn't have fun. We had joy. Um, and I wrestled with that for like 10 years. Like, what did he mean by that? Fun, joy? I, I'm not quite sure. I understand what he was driving at, that it's bigger than in the moment. It's bigger than just this moment I'm smiling. It's something that surpasses that. Uh, but we want to understand what God's joy is that he wants to give to us. One pastor has said this. He said, Christian joy is a good feeling in the soul. Not in the emotions, but in the soul. Produced by the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world. It's a pretty good quote. I'm going to repeat it to you. This pastor says that Christian joy is a good feeling deep in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit as he causes us to see the beauty of Christ in the word and in the world around us. So that maybe helps us to define a little bit more what we're talking about when we talk about joy, not just circumstantial momentary happiness, but this, this feeling in the soul produced by the Holy Spirit within us. So point number one this morning is that joy is inherent in the character of God. It's part of his character. It's part of his DNA. When we read 1 John, then we find out that God is what? When we read 1 John, God is love. All right, we know that God is love. If we read Peter, 
then it says, be holy as God is holy. So we find out from Peter that God is holy. We find out from John that God is love. We also saw this morning on the, on the video that Peter also expresses that we can have this joy that's given to us from God. I want you to consider this, that just as much as God is holy in and of himself, and that God is love in and of himself, God is joy in and of himself. He, he is contented in his very character. He, he is at peace within himself. He has a happiness that exudes out of him because he rejoices over his creation. He rejoices over the apple of his eye, his children, his beloved. Joy is inherent in the character of God. So Psalm 1611 says this, God, you will make known to me the path of life in your presence is the fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever. That middle phrase, in your presence, is the fullness of joy. Everybody knows what a Kodak moment is, if you're at least older than a certain age. Um, the rest of them don't know what that means. But a Kodak moment where you say, this is a Kodak moment. We want to stop this and freeze frame and remember this right here. In this moment, I want to remember what I was seeing and feeling and hearing and experiencing. If we could freeze frame, take a Kodak moment of being in the moment of worship with the Lord where joy is just deep within us, where all we can remember is that joy of saying, God is on the throne and he's here with me. God is creator and he's my savior. God is ruler, but he's also my friend. And there's joy within me because I know I'm accepted and I'm forgiven and I am now part of the family of God. And if you could take a Kodak moment of that then we would be able to say with the psalmist, in your presence, God, is the fullness of joy. Because it's inherent to who he is. Zephaniah 3.17, I've quoted it to you. I've read it to you. We're going to share it, share it again today. The Lord your God is in your midst. He is a victorious warrior. He will exult over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love, and he will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. Which is awesome. Exult, by the way. Whenever you read that in the Bible, um, it's, it means to celebrate as in the victory. Like celebrate as if your victory is already yours. So when I read that and it says, God will exult over you with joy, he will celebrate as if the victory is already yours with joy that you get the victory. And so this is the joy that God has inside of himself. Sometimes we are more like Charlie Brown or Oscar the Grouch, where inside of ourselves, we have discontent. Inside of ourselves, something doesn't feel right if we don't have something to complain about. But inside of God's very self is joy where he is delighted to share himself with people. He is delighted to put a smile on our faith, face, but more than that, he wants to put holiness in our heart. That's what gives him delight. And so we have Matthew 25 where Jesus is telling a parable, and it was a parable of the talents uh, where the, the master gave one talent and two talents and five talents, and then they came back. And, and to the ones who were faithful, to the ones who received his command with um, faith and obedience, this is what he said to them at the end. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Now enter into the joy of your master. So God is joyful in himself, and he says, Come on in. 
sit down. Let's rejoice together. I know that Hollywood's depiction of Santa Claus is interesting and unique and jolly and merry and merrymaking and that kind of thing. But here's what I think. I think that Hollywood and the rest of the world, when we celebrate a jolly old soul who always has a smile on his face and is war- full of warmth in his heart and wants to give good gifts to people around the world, they don't even realize that what they're trying to do is actually define God. They've kind of made this mythical figure in a big red suit, but really what they're grasping for is who God himself is, who is a joy-filled or a jolly one who is full of wisdom and truth, who has love exuding from within him, and he wants to give good gifts to his children around the world. And so we love the fact that joy is inherent in the character of God. I love the fact that I, that I, I really don't think for a moment that Jesus woke up on the wrong side of the bed, like ever. I wake up on the wrong side of bed a lot. I'm not a morning person. And then I have to confess the first two hours of my day to God when I walk around grumpy. But Jesus didn't because he has the joy of the Lord within him and he chose to walk according to that joy and not according to the other things around him. We have that same choice. We have the same Holy Spirit that Jesus has. Uh, We have the same promises of the Father. We have the same equipping and enabling that's given to us by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So we could say no to the temptations to be grumpy and wake up on the wrong side of the bed. And we could walk in the joy because of his joy within us. So point number two is joy is a gift uh, or a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Remember in Galatians 5, right? The, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. Or the evidence, the outflow of the Spirit. When we have the Holy Spirit, we have access to joy. Now, I don't know if you noticed on the videos, but on the videos that we're watching about the gifts that God's given, it's saying, will you receive? The gift has already been wrapped. It's already been prepared. It's already been paid for. It's already been provided. Your name is already on it. It's under the tree, but will you receive it? Will you unwrap it? Will you take it to be your gift from God to you, given from his heart of love to you? Will you have it as your own? We have access to it. Will you receive it? So Charles Spurgeon said this. He said there's this marvelous medicinal power in joy. Most medicines are distasteful. But this, which is the best of all medicines, joy, is sweet to the taste, it is comforting to the heart, and the blessedness of joy is very contagious. He said, one dolorous spirit brings a kind of plague into the house. One person who is wretched seems to stop all the birds of singing wherever they go. But the grace of joy is contagious. Holy joy will oil the wheels of your life's machinery. Holy joy will strengthen you for your daily labor. Holy joy will beautify you and give you an influence over the lives of others. So just as much as your negativity and your complaining and grumbling can be contagious and misery loves company and all that kind of stuff, the joyful spirit can be contagious and exude the, the joy of the Lord, and share it with other people. It's a gift of the Holy Spirit. And if you can share the Holy Spirit with somebody, not only are they going to get joy, they're going to get love and peace and kindness and goodness and faithfulness, and it'll be from the Holy Spirit himself, but also through us. And, and so Psalm 21.6 says this, God, you will make him blessed forever, and you will make him joyful with gladness in your presence. God will make you joyful. Sometimes I have to pray for that help. 
Sometimes I say, thank you, God, that you've given me the choice to rejoice in you. And sometimes I say, God, I need your help because I don't think I can rejoice one more moment. Because my eyes have been looking at the problems, because my feelings are welling up full of negativity, because I've been focusing on the wrong things, because I'm tired. Whatever the reason is, and I say, God, I need you to make me happy. I need you to make me joyful in you, because I'm not. But you can make me joyful in your presence with gladness, Psalm 21.6. I love the fact that Psalm 43.4 says that God is our exceeding joy. And abundant joy. God Himself is our exceeding joy. Isaiah 35 10 and 51 11 talk about the fact that God's joy is everlasting. So I get really, really circumstantially happy uh, when I get a donut or a Snickers bar or chocolate cake, and I could list a bunch of other things. But in the moment, I am so happy in that moment until the last bite. And so I knew one of our teens in our teen group in Texas, and we looked over at him, and he's nibbling like, like a little hamster, like nibbling on a Pop-Tart. We look at him, Ryan, what are you doing? He's like, these are so good. I need to make it last as long as possible. And he can make a Pop-Tart last about 20 minutes by nibbling on it one bite at a time. I try to make those things last as long as possible that I enjoy the taste of it because I'm like, mm, I want to savor it. And I know I'd probably be sinning if I go back for a second or a third helping, so I can't do that. So I want to savor the taste. But when it's over, it's only a memory. And I have to start planning for when I can actually eat it again in a day or two. But God's joy is everlasting, and it doesn't come to an end. It's not like I have to say, oh, I need to savor it as little as, as possible in tiny little bite-sized pieces so I can make it last. His joy is everlasting. It never ends. And every time you go to him, you don't have to say, well, I wonder if I'm going to find him grumpy today, right? Maybe you're that person, or maybe you know somebody who's that person that you're like, oh, if I go talk to them, I don't know whether it's going to be a coin toss. Happy, sad, happy, mad. Maybe, maybe I'm that person. But God is always the one who's full of joy and love and holiness in himself. And when you go to him, you know he's going to respond in joy and in love and in holiness. And that's a freeing feeling because you don't have to walk in kind of tiptoeing around and saying, well, let's see if God's mad today. You can walk in and say, God, I know that you are the truth teller who loves me and you're full of joy and you're rejoicing over me. And Lord, I come before you. Okay, so joy is a gift of the Holy Spirit. We have access to joy because we have the Holy Spirit or if we have the Holy Spirit. Jude 124, by the way, says that God is able to make us stand in his presence with great joy. That's a powerful ability that we, he can say, I'm going to make you stand in my presence, not with fear, not with doubt, not with wondering what I might do, but with great joy, because I rejoice over you. Point number three is joy is an overflow of thankfulness and contentment that is supernaturally imparted to us when we rest in Christ. So someone has said this, joy is perfect acquiescence. There's your word of the day. Uh, I probably couldn't spell it if I tried, but joy is a perfect acquiescence in God's will because our soul delights itself in God alone acquiescence or or surrender or resting in God's presence right kind of like when you're in the pool and and you know that even if you fall back into the water you're not, it's not going to hurt the water's just going to catch you 
right? It's going to be relaxing and refreshing to fall back into the arms of the pool. Well, we're falling back into the arms of Jesus. And when we acquiesce, when we surrender, we give in to that, then our soul can find delight in him. And so joy is an overflow of thankfulness and contentment that is given to us by God. I want to give you a couple of things that you can think about with joy. One is that joy comes to us from the Word of God. Psalm 119, 111 says, I have inherited your testimonies forever. They are the joy of my heart. When we read the Word, we find joy. I remember being on a trip one time, on that trip. It was, it was a little miserable. The teenagers that I was with were making very poor choices. They were being mean-spirited and hateful and... At the end of the trip, <clears throat> there were 11 teens on the trip. Nine teens uh, were not allowed to go on another church trip for a year. <laughs> That's how mean they were being and the choices they were making that were unacceptable. So there were two of us teens that whatever we could, we'd try to get away from the meanness of the group and the choices they were making. And I'd open my Bible and I'd read the Bible. And somebody said to me, man, you're always reading the Bible. Why do you do that? I said, because when I read the Bible, I know I'm with my best friend who accepts me and he gives me his truth. And I remember that these 25 years later because it meant so much to me that when I'm in the word, I know that that's joy in my heart. I also know Jeremiah reminds us, Jeremiah 15, 16, that when we eat God's words, when we consume them, then they become a joy and a delight to us. Have you ever read the Bible where you're like, oh, it's dry. I don't understand what's going on there. It makes no sense to me, and it seems completely disconnected from my life. Jeremiah says when we eat the word, when we consume the word, when we say, God, this word has to be true. It has to be your word to me. I know it is, and I know that it has meaning and significance, so I'm going to accept it. I'm going to receive it. I'm not going to leave it under the tree with my name on it. I'm going to open it, and I'm going to receive it. That's where joy comes in. Matthew 13, when, he, when Jesus was talking about the parable of the, of the seed and the sower, the sower going out to sow his seed, it says that the one on whom the seed was sown in rocky places, this is the man who hears the word and receives it with joy. He received it with joy. The only problem was he didn't put down deep roots. Because then that joy, which is everlasting joy, could keep continuing. He received it in a moment, said, thank you, Lord, for this. He received it with thankfulness, but he didn't keep consuming it. He didn't keep dwelling in God's presence and receiving it. Because if he would, he would find out that God's joy is eternal. And we can always have it for us. Point number four, final point this morning, is that walking in joy is a choice to rejoice in the Lord and celebrate all that belongs to him. Uh, I just tell you a great way to try to work against the blues at Christmas or any other time of year is to say, God, thank you for, and start think, listing the things you're thankful for. And it's true that if you're, if you're upset, if you're frustrated, if you're depressed, you may go through the motions where you might say, God, I thank you for this, and you don't really mean it. You're not feeling it in your heart. You're just giving lip service to it. But the more that you say that by faith, not feelings, by faith, God, I thank you that you're with me. I thank you that you're for me. I thank you that you give me joy. I thank you for my family. God will, in those moments of giving thanks by faith, he will begin to impart those feelings to you of contentment and gratitude. Uh, someone has said this, cheerfulness 
is something that can be cultivated, and it is the duty of all Christians to show the world by their happy, cheerful lives that Christianity is the most worthwhile thing in the whole world. I read a story this week about a guy who went into into politics. He became a congressman in the United States. And somebody asked him, they said, well, you're you're a believer. This is about 100 years ago. He said, you're a Christian, and uh, you're outspoken about your faith. And he said, did you always think about going into politics? And he said, well, actually, I thought at one point uh, about becoming a pastor. I thought maybe God was calling me to be a pastor. He said, but most of the pastors I knew were undertakers. And I didn't want to have anything to do with that. And he didn't mean undertaker at the funeral home. That was just, you know. And so we are to be cheerful. We are to be cultivating this life of joy and and, and I know that the Lord has blessed some of us to be more optimistic than other people, but let's throw aside the, the modern-day psychology terms of optimistic and pessimistic, and let's walk by faith instead and say, by faith, I can overcome. By faith, God can give me joy in the middle of the circumstances that are so difficult. Matter of fact, Paul talked about the fact that in the middle of affliction, he could find joy. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, he said, He said, I am filled with comfort, and I am overflowing with joy in all our affliction. And we might think that Paul was some kind of a super apostle and superhuman, and he could do it, and the rest of us couldn't. But yet we have example after example after example of people for the last 2,000 years who have done it. Those who are saints, so those who are patriarchs and matriarchs of the faith, but also people that you know in your everyday life. And a friend of mine, he passed away about a year ago, and uh, not many people outside of his local church knew his name. A couple people, some people he worked with, some neighbors in his local church. He wasn't known by many people. But I remember when he sat at the back of the church one day, and somebody said, how are things going? And he said, the Lord is helping me, and the Lord is encouraging me, and the Lord is strengthening me, and And I knew his story, and I knew that he'd been diagnosed with illness. I knew that his mom had just died. I knew that his dad was on his deathbed. I knew that his son had just been diagnosed with an illness and his daughter with an ongoing illness. And he could say, I rejoice in the Lord. How could he do that except that the Lord had given him something more than circumstantial happiness, but a deep abiding sense that God's going to work this all out. 2 Corinthians 8.2 also says that in a great ordeal of affliction, their abundance of joy overflowed. So we can have affliction and yet rejoice. We can have difficulty and yet celebrate God. And so we're supposed to sing and shout for joy. Those are probably two of the most often repeated things in the Old Testament about what we're supposed to do with joy. Sing for joy. Shout for joy. When I go to a football game or a basketball game, Nine times out of ten, I'm not shouting. It's not my personality. When it's one of my kids and they happen to do something really amazing, then I might jump up and down and shout and scream. But the rest of the time when the game is just kind of mundane and ho-hum, then I just, I just watch. It's my personality. It takes effort for me to sing and shout. Sunday mornings when I lift my hands in praise, did you know a lot of the time it's not because I have uh, goosebumps I don't have some warm, fuzzy feeling that says, oh, I have to lift my hands. No, it's a choice of the will by faith to say, God, I'm here to worship you, even though this morning was hard, or this last week was hard, or this next week, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to choose to worship you. It's a choice 
of faith to say, I will sing for joy to God my strength. I will shout joyfully to the God of Jacob. Psalm 81.1 A third century man was anticipating his own death, and he penned these words to a friend. They were his last words that we have written. And it says, It is a bad world, an incredibly bad world, but I've discovered in the midst of this world a quiet and a holy people who have learned a great secret. They have found a joy which is a thousand times better than any pleasure in our sinful life. They are despised and persecuted, but they don't care. They are masters of their own souls. They have overcome the world. These people are Christians, and I am one of them. Isn't that a beautiful sentiment? They have discovered a joy a thousand times better than any pleasure of our sinful life. I've thought about this quite often. Because whatever momentary happiness there is, it's going to come to an end until we have eternal paradise and glory with God forever. And so when I'm on a vacation and I'm thinking, oh, I've only got three days left. How am I supposed to enjoy it to the full? God says, just chill and just relax. When I'm in the middle of a meal that I really love and I think, oh, man, I want to go back for seconds and I really shouldn't, so I won't. But I want to savor this as long as I can. And then the meal's over. And then the vacation's over, and then the Christmas presents are all unwrapped, and you take down the Christmas tree, and and you say, now that it's over, now what? Well, if at the end of the event, or the momentary happiness, we can still fall back into the arms of Jesus and say, God, you have been my anchor through this all. You have been my stream of joy through this all. You have been the anchor for my life. Then when the moment's over, you still have joy. Romans 15, 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you this morning and and confess how often I want to be happy in the moment, every moment. And I look to the circumstances, I look to my feelings, I look to the approval of other people, I look to material possessions so that I can get the next cool, better thing. And all of that leaves me wanting. I feel empty. But God, when I look to you and I say, God, thank you for my salvation. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Thank you for living in me. Thank you for sharing your joy with me. And I thank you that you're going to bring it all to good in the end. And I don't have to have all the trappings of this world I can just have you, and that'll be enough. Lord, when that, when that happens, the joy of the Lord becomes my strength. The joy of the Lord propels me along. So I pray for every one of us here, Lord, that we would receive the joy of the Lord by the Holy Spirit of God, that we would choose, Lord, to sing joyfully and to shout joyfully to you, even when we don't feel like it, but we do it by faith because we have this deep abiding sense that you are worth it all. And I pray, Lord, that you would give us joy that is bigger and stronger and better than anything we could work up on our own. And I pray, Lord, we would find joy in an awareness that we we can have forgiveness of sins, we can have your Holy Spirit within us if we'll just accept that gift, the gift of salvation. Lord, I pray that you'd send us from this place and that we would pursue joy in the Holy Spirit above everything else because we would find our, our meaning and our purpose and our salvation in you. 
Thank you for this gift you've given us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, dearly beloved, I want to share with you this benediction from the scriptures from Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God be with you. You are dismissed.